Good evening. It's midnight Eastern Standard Time, 9pm Pacific Time, and at the North Pole, it's all times, simultaneously. We weren't going to let December pass without a Christmas episode, so sit back with a glass of mulled wine as we transport you to the German Alps for a tense little tale that we call Schafrichternacht. Absolutely, send him down. Very well, thank you. Fantastic. Could you arrange a car for me? Can't do that, I'm afraid. You can't? I'm afraid not. It's the snow, you see. The conditions are too dangerous at the moment. We won't be offering car service again until it clears up out there. So you're telling me I have to make my own way there? Afraid so, sir. Exactly how far away is his lodge, would you say? Just shy of a mile, I'd say, sir. Right. Well, fantastic. George, old boy, what took you so long? Oh, don't ask. You look frozen, though. The snow is getting rather heavy. Well, come in, man. Here, I'll take that. Have a seat. I assume you'll join me for a drink. With pleasure. Well, look at you. You haven't changed a bit. Neither have you. So you find yourself stranded in the middle of nowhere. Is this an everyday occurrence for you? Not exactly. It's a long story. Have somewhere to be, do you? It's business. Or it's supposed to be anyway, but the deal fell through. Are you still in... what was it? Books. Or antiques. Antique books, I suppose. All started on a whim, really. My kooky old aunt left me a pretty hefty collection of old books when she died and... Well, nothing of interest to me. Not a big reader. Never seen the appeal, really. I wasn't about to let them just rot. I mean, might be worth something, right? A lot of old books like that. Some were a hundred years old. Some a hundred and fifty. Hell, some were even older than that. I figured that must bring a pretty penny, and damn it, I was right. I brought in a man who knows his stuff, you know, handles auctions and things like that. Not really my kind of thing, you know, but I suppose some people are that way inclined. Well, anyway, he had one look at my newly acquired collection, priced it up, and... I'll tell you what, I drank champagne that night. Lucrative, then? Oh, lucrative undersells it. Once I started moving the books, seeing the money coming in, I guess I enjoyed the thrill of it. You know, saw the chance to take what I'd made and turn it into even more. So that's what I did. Started sourcing some new books, restoring them where necessary, and selling them on. I got pretty good at it. Made a little fortune, if you don't mind me uh, singing my own praises a tad. Oh, no, by all means. Another drink? Absolutely. The whole endeavour started as a catalogue sort of affair. Telephone orders, that sort of thing. 
But as the Enterprise grew, it more or less became inevitable that we would need some physical location to make stock management easier, if nothing else. Cheers. Cheers. We've got three locations now, all together. Still working out of London, mainly. Yet here we find you, in Alpine, Germany. Fancied a bit of skiing, did you? Business, I told you. Got a telephone call out of the blue, you see, from a man who said he'd had some important business opportunity for me. Said he had some good contacts in the Middle East that could bring some important items my way. High-value items that could help me expand the company much more rapidly. Well, my eyes lit up. Naturally. Thinking about all of those relics that I might be able to get my hands on. And, of course, I've been thinking about international expansion. Why limit your market, you know? So, taken as a whole, this telephone call seemed far too important an opportunity to miss. George, my good man, you do know how to string a fellow along, don't you? Is there a point to this story at all? Well, that's why I'm here, you see. He said he wanted to meet me as a matter of urgency. Said he was in Italy on important business, but he'd soon be heading north and would have a few days spare. So, he invited me here to join him and go over everything. Not a bad place for a business meeting? Not a bad place at all. Seemed rather far to travel, to be frank. I almost declined. But I remember this resort so fondly from all those years ago. And I remember how much I enjoyed the local towns. How wonderful an atmosphere they developed around Christmas time. And still, I had reservations. Christmas is our busiest time, you see, but... Well, what can I say, Henry? Something in my gut just told me to seize this opportunity. So, several days and a few uncomfortable train journeys later, here I am. Well, that's all well and good, but it doesn't quite explain why you showed up on my doorstep, does it? Yes. Well, things didn't exactly go according to plan. I was promised a room, you see. Quite right, I think. He's the one who dragged me out here. He's the one who's offering some business deal of some kind. It's only right that he should offer me some accommodation. But I arrived. I asked about my room. And I'm promptly told there is no room. And your mysterious business associates? Not there. Never had a booking. I've been sent on a wild goose chase, Henry. Pour me another, will you? Not taking it slowly tonight, are you? It gets the blood pumping. It's very cold tonight, if you hadn't noticed. Oh, I've noticed, all right. Haven't opened a window for a week. It's a miracle I haven't suffocated. I tried to get a room for myself, of course, but they told me they're full. Well, I suppose they would be at this time of year. I tried to arrange transport to leave, but... With this snow... It's getting heavier and heavier as the night goes on. I'm dreading the morning. Exactly. Safe to say I'm trapped here. And rather than a warm spot on the floor of the hotel, I thought of you and this roomy old lodge of yours. How did you know I would be here? Well, I didn't. I thought it was a long shot, to be honest. Didn't know if you came here at Christmas anymore, or any other time. I wasn't even certain you still owned it anymore. Thought you might have sold it after... No, still here. Every Christmas since. I don't know. I guess it's my way of remembering her. You can stay, of course. The spare room is yours. Thank you. Although, I don't think I've given you much choice in the matter, have I? Yes, doesn't look like we're going anywhere anytime soon, does it? This place hasn't changed, you know? It looks exactly as it did the last time I was here. That was a while ago. <laughs> yes, it was. I haven't been here since that night. I prefer not to think about it. I don't want this place to be a memorial to a tragedy. 
I don't want one night to wash away all of those good memories. Bad memories cling to places like this, but it shouldn't be that way. You know? It should be the good ones that stick. Quite agree. That's a good way of looking at it. I wish I could have such a positive outlook. Why do you suppose this fellow's trying to pull your strings then? Getting your hopes up and bringing you all the way out here just to stand you up? Oh, I haven't the foggiest. I haven't spoken to him since we made the plans, and I don't know how to reach him. I don't even know who he is, really. Everything he told me could have been a lie. Well, I suppose at this point, I ought to assume that everything was. Just someone playing a joke, do you think? I don't know. Not a very funny joke. No, it isn't. Well, not the worst place to get stranded, I suppose. Oh, definitely. Best views in Europe on that balcony. Another drink? It's funny, I don't remember any of the staff. No, you wouldn't. Most of them have changed. I don't think there's a single member of staff who was here the last time you visited. Seems to have a high employee turnover this place. Oh, that's a shame. No, I think it's a good thing. Means you get to meet new people each year. It's always nice to get away from everything in the city and meet new people out here. Well, I've certainly met some interesting characters in this place. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Do you remember the old woman with the ashes? Oh, that was sweet. I think it's nice that she wanted to keep their tradition going. Well, she could have just scattered the ashes. She didn't have to ski with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, if she'd done that, she wouldn't have been able to come back and do it again the following year, would she? She came back the next year? Oh, yes. Showed up to the slopes one day, urn in arm. Doesn't she come anymore? Right. Do you remember those Germans? Germans? A few years back now. Louise was fast asleep and we both stayed up at the hotel pretty late, drinking ourselves into a stupor. And we struck up a conversation with a group of Germans. Hmm. Sounds familiar, now that you mention it. Yes. Yes, I think so. They were friendly enough. We must have stayed up until two in the morning. And they had some crazy stories. You remember that one, the... Oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. You know what I'm talking about. The... That old legend, do you remember? No, not really. Yes, you do. It was that creepy old German legend. That big old monstrosity of a creature that stalks the Alps and shreds men like paper with its long claws. Oh. Yes, I remember. But it doesn't kill everyone. Only those that deserve it. Only those that have taken a life. Yes, that's right. Scharfrichterbeet. <laughs> it means judge or executioner. Something like that. Spooky, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. Almost a shame it's complete nonsense. You think so? Of course it is. I don't know. Sounded rather convincing to me. Really? Why, Henry, I had you down as a man of reason. Well, one of those men said he'd seen the beast with his own two eyes. Who better to know the truth of the legend than someone with first-hand experience? Oh, well, now I know you're pulling my leg. I thought it was a rather convincing story. Said it happened right here. Well, not right here, closer to the French border, but you know what I mean, it's not too far. Yes, and what did he claim he saw, exactly? Well, if you must know, he said he was on a skiing holiday with his wife or his then-wife, anyway, 
and they'd had a bit of a falling out. You know how it is. So he was out on the slopes by himself towards the end of the day. More or less by himself. Only a couple of other people around. Stragglers hanging on until sunset. And he's let his anger fester, probably feeling bitter, feeling like he needs to prove something, like he needs to show himself he's still the boss of his own life. So, understandably, I think. Debatable. Well, nonetheless, he goes off track is what I'm trying to say. But it turns out it wasn't such a wise choice. Was that ever unclear? Well, George, not everyone has your stone-cold risk aversion. Let me tell the story, man. Shutting my mouth. Another drink. Please. So, anyway, the man knows there's barely anyone around, but he goes out of bounds anyway, clearly feeling cocky, confident he can do anything, but the light's not good enough at this time. Not enough contrast. Well... He hits a bit of a hump, and whoosh, up he goes, spinning through the air and crashing back down to earth. He hits his head on something hard, not enough to crack it open, but certainly enough to knock him out. He wakes up a couple of hours later, and it's almost pitch black. There's a bright moon, but with heavy snow falling, it's just not enough. He can see two feet in front of him, but beyond that, he's blind. So he's fumbling around, trying to find his way, pouring at the snow, trying to find a trail to follow. He knows the direction he came from, and he prays that's enough to find his way back. He starts climbing this big hill, and it's steep, almost too steep. He's exhausted, and he isn't even halfway up yet, but he has to keep going. He knows he has to keep going, because it's the only way to get back and he knows he won't survive if he's trapped out here all night. So he climbs, and he climbs, and he climbs. And then he hears it. A shuffling, like heavy but cautious footsteps in the snow, and it's coming from behind him. It's coming from down the hill. He turns, he pauses, and then the noise seems to pause too. For a second, he doesn't know what to do. And then he calls out, Hello? No response. Hello? He calls again. There's someone there. There has to be someone there. He heard them, didn't he? Or maybe he's going crazy. It's so cold out, maybe he's already losing his grip on reality. So he turns back and continues climbing. And then he hears it again. The shuffling in the snow, like something pulling itself up the hill behind him. Hello? He calls again. Nothing. He's worried now. His mind racing. What if it's wolves? He's worried now. It's a figure of speech. Do they even have wolves out here? Not a clue. It isn't important. Right. Well, continue. So, he's up this mountain. Staring into the darkness below, worried he's about to become someone's dinner. And then he remembers the flare in his rucksack. And so his panicked, fumbling hands rummage through his bag, retrieve the flare, and light it. He waves it around in every direction. It's his only light source, but it doesn't reveal anything. And then he hears it, the shuffling in the snow again. 
backing away. Something's reacting to him, something at the bottom of the hill. So he throws the flare and he watches as the glowing flames tumbles away from him. Shrinking as it disappears into the distance, the bright red aura following it all the way down, illuminating rocks and trees. And then, for the briefest of moments, a fraction of a second, if that, he sees it. A huge, bulky creature, thick, hairy arms, digging deep into the snow. Its dense white fur reflects the light of the flare, and the bright red light glimmers in the saliva dripping from its long, thick teeth. And then as quickly as it came into his vision, it's gone. The flare vanishes out of sight, and everything is black once again. He turns, he climbs, he scrambles, as quick as he can, but he can hear it behind him, following. After what feels like forever, with his chest tight from exertion, and his lungs burning from the bitter cold of the night air, he pauses as he realises he hears nothing but silence all around him. For a long time he stays perfectly still, just listening. Nothing. He lets out a sigh of relief and turns his attention to his next problem. He doesn't know where he is. He is completely stranded. He decides his only chance of survival is to find somewhere to shelter and try and make it to the morning. He knows he's got one flare left in his bag. He knows there's trees all around him and he thinks there's a chance he might be able to find some kind of shelter or a safe place to camp, if only he could see a little further. So he grabs the flare, he lights it, and before him appear two shining red dots, burning flames reflected in two glowing eyes. He panics, stumbles, losing his footing and tumbling over a small precipice. Fortunately for him, snow makes a soft landing. The next few hours are lost somewhere in his memory, and the next thing he remembers, he's waking up to a rescue party dispatched the previous night when a resident of the resort spotted his flare out on the slopes. You still don't believe me, do you? Oh, of course I don't. First of all, no such creature exists. It's impossible. Even if there was some giant creature out there hunting down men for food, how could it tell who to eat? How would it know who is and isn't a murderer? And besides, as far as we know, our German friend has never committed such an act. So why, precisely, would the beast target him? And second of all? Well, second of all, you don't just take a blow to the head and wake up two hours later. Being unconscious for that long would be indicative of some rather serious brain damage. In fact, that might explain quite a bit about this story. Well, I thought it was interesting. Well, I didn't say it's not interesting, it's just not true. There was a song as well, do you remember? No, I don't think so. Yes, it was this wonderfully spooky thing. You may avoid the jailer's hand, you may escape the hangman's noose, you run from your own conscience, but... But... Oh, how does it go? How should I know? You run from your unconscious, but you never can escape the truth. Yes, very interesting. Doesn't prove anything, though, does it? 
Well, if you're so certain, why don't you go out in the snow and prove it? If the Scharfrichter beast isn't real, then you have nothing to worry about out there, do you? It may surprise you, Henry, but I'm not entirely happy to lose my life to hypothermia just to win some ridiculous wager with you. Besides, even if the Scharfrichter beast did, by some strange stretch of the imagination, turn out to be real, it wouldn't matter, would it? I'd still be safe. I wouldn't have anything to worry about. How's that? Well, I've never killed anybody. Have I? I think I'll call up the bar and see if they can send down another bottle. They wouldn't send a car down to bring me to the lodge. I really doubt they're going to send one down just to bring us a drink. Well, you'd be surprised how far manners can get you. But at any rate, we're out of luck. The phone's down. Perhaps the snow has brought down some wires or something. It really is getting bad out there. Well, we better make the most of what we've got left. The bar won't be open tomorrow. Christmas Day and all that. So this has got to last us. You know, I used to have bottles of the stuff stashed away up here. But Louise didn't like it. She always hated that Dad was such a heavy drinker. She was right, of course. She was always right. And it got Dad in the end, didn't it? She didn't want me to go the same way, so she made me stop hoarding so much of the stuff. I never stopped, of course, but from then on I only kept a single bottle at a time. Made no difference to how much I actually drank, obviously, but it made her feel better. Still do it to this day, even though she's gone. You know, it's funny. You always said you were at the bar when it happened, having a drink with your friend at the main hotel. That's right. What's so funny about that? Well, it just... Doesn't make sense, does it? Like I just said, the bar closes on Christmas Day. Well, Louise died on Christmas Day, so... How could you have been at the bar when it happened? I wasn't. I was having a drink with my friend in the main hotel. But we were in his room. Because the bar was closed. I guess I misspoke a few times. I don't know what I said, really. It was a difficult time. Drinking with your friend who's never come forward. The one no one has ever met. What are you getting at, Henry? Oh, nothing. Just thinking aloud, really. Did you only bring the one case? Yes. Think I'll unpack it now, actually. If you'll excuse me. Of course. Yes, but I'm not a pianist. 
No one can play like she could. Yes. She started playing a lot more often once we were married. She had a real talent. I always thought she could do it professionally. Really make something of herself. It's a shame she was never really able to pursue it. Yes, well, our father was... old-fashioned? That's one way of putting it. I don't think it's unreasonable for him to push her towards something a little more practical. He was looking out for her in his own way. Wanted to make sure she could stand on her own two feet. Oh, you know as well as I do that she was never going to go without. Your family is drowning in funds. Stand on her own two feet. That's just an excuse and you know it. Alright, fine. Perhaps it was an overreaction, but that was when our mother was in hospital for the first time and... It was a very stressful time, alright? I don't need to remind you of that. That... It's no excuse for interfering. And trying to push her down the path that you wanted. She spent years bending over backwards to do whatever you and the rest of the family wanted. And still, none of you took her seriously. None of you ever listened to her. Of course we listened to her. No. No. No, you didn't. If you'd listened to her, maybe she'd still be here. Maybe a mother would be too. You don't know what you're talking about. It's getting stuffy in here. I haven't stepped foot on that balcony since... It was me. What? Your mysterious new business associate. What are you talking about? I made up a fake name and a fake story. I put on a terrible accent. I wrote you on fake letter paper. It was all fake. Don't you see that? I faked it all to bring you here. Why? Because I know, George. I know what you did. And I think it's about time to admit it. And if you can't admit it, you're certainly going to pay for it. Say something. I don't know what you're talking about, Henry. Admit it. Admit you killed her. I didn't kill her. Don't lie to me. I know you did it. I know your alibi is nonsense. And what are the odds she just trips and takes a tumble at the exact moment you're out of the house? And for what? Half an hour? And don't think I haven't noticed the rug. The rug? Good heavens, what are you talking about? The rug. The one that's been there for as long as we've owned this lodge. Or it used to, anyway. Seems to have vanished, though. That Christmas she died. So how do you explain that one, George? Did you need to get rid of something on the rug? Something incriminating? Something that shows exactly where you stabbed her? What are you talking about? She wasn't stabbed. The fall killed her, you know that. The autopsy told us as much. You don't think the autopsy would have shown something as obvious as a stab wound? Pull yourself together, man. You're starting to sound crazy. Your answers might fool everyone else, but they don't fool me. Or to be quite honest, Henry, I don't give a toss what you think. It's not my job to convince you. You can think whatever you want to think. Tell yourself your own story. 
Your family tells themselves theirs. It doesn't change the truth. I know you did it. Admit it. Oh. Admit it. I won't admit it because I didn't kill her. The only reason you're so desperate to put blame on me is because you know deep down that the blame lies with you. What are you talking about? Oh, you're all to blame. Always pushing her in whatever direction best suited you. Always taking advantage because she was too kind to say no. Always controlling her. Like puppet masters. And when you're challenged, you say it's for her own good. Helping her stand on her own. But it's not. It's not. It's a lack of respect. A complete lack of respect. You don't care what's actually best for her, and you never did. You never listened to her. Even when she was crying out. Even when she was trying to tell you that something was wrong. That your mother needed help. Proper help. Before she did something stupid. And what did you do? Nothing. Dismissed it. Made out like she was hysterical. Like it was all in her head. And how did that work out for you, Henry? What have you got to show for it? A dead mother floating down a stream somewhere. That's what. And then you act all surprised. How could this happen? But the whole time, Louise was pleading with you to do something. I don't know where that rug went, Henry. Maybe you should ask your father. As for why I was out when she died, that's because she waited until I was out to do it. She waited until I was out because she knew that I'd try to stop her. She waited until I was out. And then she stepped onto that balcony, she climbed over that rail and she threw herself to her death. Because she couldn't stand you and your damn family a second longer. Shut up. You killed her. I know you killed her. Henry! Hello? Who's there? Come on, Henry. Pull it together. You're letting your imagination get away with you. Hello? Is anyone there? Hello, who is that? Look, if you're here to tell us about the phones being down, we already know. We tried to call up, actually. Wait. You're not...
I don't understand. It didn't kill me. He didn't even touch me. But I'm a murderer. It should have. I should be dead. Unless. Snow makes a soft landing. George! You're. You're alive! Oh, thank God. Oh, I didn't. I didn't mean. I was trying to. Yes, you did. You faked a name. You faked a back story. You lured me here. You planned this. You knew exactly what you were doing. And this whole evening, you've been toying with me like a cat with a mouse. Because that's what you do. That's what your family has always done. It's what you did to her. It's what you did to your mother. Is it any wonder they were both driven to desperation? Game's over, Henry. George. Game's over. <sighs> well, it's not going to be easy. But the hotel is barely a mile away. I think I can make that. Don't you? George. There's... Then I just have to be smart. Figure out a way to get some transport arranged. There's bound to be some way out of this place. Even with a storm like this. There has to be. There's something. Don't waste your breath, Henry. You have so little of them left. George. Doesn't matter, of course. Snow like this, no one's going to find you for days and days. And by the time they do, I will be long gone. There's... Something outside. Auf Wiedersehen, old friend. Merry Christmas.
I've done worse walks home after a few drinks. If you enjoyed tonight's episode, and you haven't already, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast app of choice. It's a great way of helping new people find us. If you want to get in touch with questions, feedback, or just to say hi, you can reach us on social media. Our handle everywhere is quietlypodcast. You can also email us at quietlyyours at daffodillies.co.uk. As always, if you're enjoying the show, you can sign up to support us directly by visiting patreon.com slash quietlyyours. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month, and there's some fun patron-exclusive rewards to enjoy there, too. You can find all of our episodes and any info you might need on our website, which is daffodillies.co.uk slash quietlyyours. That's D-A-F-F-A-D-I-L-L-I-E-S dot co.uk slash quietlyyours. With all that out of the way, I hope you're having a fantastic Christmas, and I'll see you again very soon. Until then, I am quietly yours, and you are quietly mine.